Fantasy Baseball time. Let's talk about some of the free agent acquisitions and the trades from around baseball. Trevor Cahill on the move and Matt Latos on the move. We've got that and a lot more. Welcome, welcome. It's Monday, December 19th. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Yeah, doing, doing well. Doing good. Hot stove keeping us warm here. Yes, yes. And we don't need a hot stove here. We're not going to talk before the holidays, so happy holidays. Yeah. And same to you, Adam, and same to everybody to, out there. Yeah, everyone out there. Yeah. It's Monday. This will be most likely our only show of the week, and then we'll probably be back in two weeks, and then we're going to start ramping it up as we get into January and February, of course, as we get closer to draft time. But we'll talk about a lot of the big moves that have gone down. Um, you, Darvish, will know more about him tonight. But uh, the Reds, let's start with the Reds and Padres trade. Matt Latos going from San Diego to Cincinnati. The Reds trading some prospects, some good ones, including Yonder Alonso and Yasmani Grandal. How about Latos, though, Al? Value up, down, the same? I think about the same. And, you know, my initial reaction was sort of a negative one, and, and I got right on Twitter and I said, not a good move for Latos. And I agree, it's still it's not a good move for Latos. I'm not sure it's a bad move either. I think it might be a lateral move because the venue, obviously, it's it's bad for a pitcher anytime that he leaves Petco Park. He's going to a, a home run ballpark. He does have some slight fly ball tendencies. Those things are not good for Matt Latos, um, but he'll probably get a lot more run support from the Reds than he did from the Padres. So, Oh, I will guarantee he yeah. gets more <laughs> that's, run support. Yeah, I, that's not going on a limb. I, I think it's actually a good move for him. I think this uh, is, is actually caused to move him up in the rankings. I had him as the 29th pitcher. I could see him uh, moving all the way up into the 24-25 range with Steven Strasburg and Michael Pineda because it, the run support thing, he had nine wins last year, which is a, a terrible number. You're going to be buried in the rankings if you can't even get double-digit wins. And, and obviously that's going to change with the Reds' lineup behind him. And I agree that uh, the ballpark factor, while it is a factor, it's overblown. Because uh, you look at his home-away splits each of the last two years, his ERA was about 50 points higher on the road. Uh, so, so nothing dramatic, nothing beyond what you'd expect uh, for a pitcher pitching in the best pitcher's park. Uh, so, yeah, some rise in ERA, but more than enough rise in wins to compensate for it. And, and plus, you got to figure um, he's going to get over the 200 innings mark for the first time in his career. They acquired him to be their ace, and uh, he was pitching like an ace at the end of last season. 275 ERA yeah. in his last 15 starts, seven plus innings in 10 of them. I think he's this trade is is going to be what what makes him that borderline ace that he couldn't be with the Padres lineup behind him. Yeah, well, there's two two more things I want to say about him. And one is again to sort of temper my expectations for Latos, which is uh, yeah, Scott, I agree with you on the the splits, but he's not just changing teams; he's changing divisions, and he's going to. A pretty tough division for a pitcher, I think, other than the AL East. Again, somebody with slight fly ball tendencies, NL Central, not necessarily the best place to go. Even without Pujols and potentially without Fielder? Yeah, they're still... And without Ryan Braun. Oh, yeah. Potentially. Potentially, that's true. Yeah, but I still, again, you know, I think we could see some some increase in the ERA and WHIP, but a big increase in wins too. I think it's all going to wash out. Other thing I just want to say about Latos too, because I saw a lot of commentary in the day or two after the trade saying, "Oh well, you know, two years ago this would have looked great, but last year Latos was a disappointment." Well, you got to remember, 
last year with Latos is that he was basically the same pitcher that he yeah. was in his, his rookie season in, in 2010. Um, just stranded a lot more base runners. That's something that fluctuates a lot. That'll correct itself. And, I think. and plus, he had that shoulder in, injury yeah. at the beginning and, and just got off to a bad start. But finished strong, and, and I like this move. What about the prospects that the Padres yeah, are getting? This is terrible news, I think, for Yonder Alonso. I was really looking forward to the Reds trading him uh, because I figured wherever he landed, um, you know, assuming he landed somewhere where he'd get every day at bats, he'd have that high op- on base percentage, uh, good OPS potential, potentially a 20, 25 homer guy right away and that i mean could move him up to the top 25 outfielders um even even as a rookie but san diego petco park it it just kills left-handed power hitters uh particularly one who isn't doesn't necessarily have that 30 homer power uh like adrian gonzalez had he he's really the only left-handed power hitter who who was able to survive petco and i don't I don't suspect uh, Yonder Alonso will. I think he could have a lot of Chase Headley-like problems playing there. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, it's it's like the worst possible move for Yonder Alonso because, like Scott says, you've got to be a really good home run hitter uh, to get it out of Petco. Alonso's really more of a line drive hitter, and it's not a good ballpark for line drive hitters. So you factor in those lefty power splits with you know the poor line drive uh, rates out of Petco. It's it's going to be rough for Alonso to produce there. Do you think he gets traded though? Because they have Rizzo at first base, and Alonso's not an outfielder; he's a first baseman, right? So, right. do you think he gets moved? I think one of the two gets moved. The rumors seem to point more to Rizzo getting moved right now, um, and I, I, you know, I could kind of see that Josh Burns from that Theo Epstein lineage values on base percentage which yonder alonzo clearly provides i could see him valuing alonzo over somebody like rizzo and um even though i think maybe the majority of the baseball world would would put it the other way so yeah i could see rizzo getting traded more likely than alonzo but one of them i think pretty much has to get traded and there's interest in rizzo already including the cubs with jed hoyer who was you know part of the yeah. machine and that, theo epstein yeah and theo yeah. epstein of course yeah Okay, well, then we'll keep an eye on that situation. How about uh, Trevor Cahill and Craig Breslow going to Arizona for starting pitcher Jared Parker, outfielder Colin Cowgill, relief pitcher Ryan Cook? What do you think about the value now for Cahill, Scott? I think the value for Cahill definitely goes up. Uh, Playing in, in that hitter's park won't be a problem for him because he's a ground ball pitcher. And... He's obviously going to a much better supporting cast. The Diamondbacks won the West, the NL West last year. They've only gotten better in the offseason. Um, and I think that combined with the move to the NL where he's not facing the DH. And, and you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who I guess he won 17 games two years ago. So he's already been right there in fantasy. And I think this coming off a down season has the potential to put him back in that top 30 starting pitcher range. Um, I actually moved him up to 47 with the news when I think he was 52, 53, Ooh. something like that. He was pretty lousy, though, at some points last year. Yeah, no, he was not good in the second half. But, you know, I put him in a similar class with Latos in that 
And and I was probably as guilty as anybody. I remember sitting in this studio, having him on my podcast team league, and just complaining about Trevor Cahill. But um, you know, the truth is that when you you break down where that performance came from, he wasn't really significantly worse of a pitcher than he was the year before. He actually had a lot of good luck on balls in play two years ago. Yeah, he regressed and and then some. So he should rebound. In, yeah, the in old uh, the old more no for Cahill podcast league trade between us <laughs> the uproar that ended up moot <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so anybody else in this deal significance in fantasy for 2012 well i think jared parker um not as significant as cahill but very likely to land a rotation spot with oakland uh was and and still is prior to the trade uh was a, a uh, top prospect for the Diamondbacks, and they're loaded with some some good pitching prospects, so they certainly could part with him. But he had Tommy John surgery, um, that sort of delayed his his progress. But the, all the potential is still there for Parker to be a, a top line guy, maybe within a, a couple of years. Have some struggles in 2012, but I think he'll he'll crack the rotation and, and be relevant in AL only. I have three rookie pitchers in my top 100 right now. Matt Moore, obviously. Drew Pomeranz and Jared Parker. Jared Parker, so, number I three. Think, uh, yeah, I think that's good news for him. Around baseball now, some of these deals will be significant, some won't. Jason Kubel and the Diamondbacks agree, staying on the Diamondbacks. Two years, $15 million. Do we care? Yeah, I think we definitely care. You're talking about a guy with 28 homers and had 100 RBI, um, I think it was 2009, Yeah, very recently, and has had some injury problems in the two years since. So going to that hitter's park... I I think he could I think he could I think a rebound season's possible. I think he's somebody to look at at the late in the late rounds. I, I wonder if Gerardo Parra is gonna cut into his playing time any. I would imagine yes. Uh but as long as they're not sitting Kubel against lefties, I, I see him being a mixed league contributor. Michael Kadire to the Rockies for three years, thirty one and a half million dollars, Al. Yeah, we always like it when hitters go to Colorado. I think the impact here isn't going to be necessarily what it appears at first glance because Kadir, like we talked about Alonzo before, a little bit more of a line drive hitter. So I think the the home run certainly won't be hurt by the uh, mile high altitude. But I think you could see a big spike in doubles from Kadir, and that's nice and head to head. Meanwhile, Josh Willingham will replace Michael Kadir for the Twins. Yeah. Willingham's not exciting. Yeah, he, he's not, not as good as Kadir. No, he, I don't think he's as good as Kadir. I he's streaky. He's injury prone. I think he hit a career high in homers last year, and and still was just a borderline mixed league guy because he hit only two forty. Uh, he's that he's park had he's sucks. had yeah that that park is not good for him. <laughs> but he but he played in a, a yeah. in a bad park for hitters last year too so i'm I'm not gonna i don't want to overstate that aspect of it yeah i mean he's played in a lot of bad hitters parks and yet he always hits for power and it's funny you say willingham's not exciting i <laughs> welcome everybody who's in a league that i play in to think that because yeah, I, i've seen you draft <laughs> him a couple times already so. yeah i like willingham i have for years and he's a guy who does just Float, float under the radar. He does tend to miss some time with injuries. I think that's probably the biggest detriment to his, his value. And you're right. He's not uh, a guy that you draft for batting average, but I think we'll see some rebound there. But the power is very consistent. doesn't matter where he plays. So, um, you know, I think he he's could, just middle of the road to me is the thing. I, I he can't get any better than he is. And what he is is somebody who's on and off the waiver wire all year. And in mixed leagues, in mixed leagues. If you yeah. talk about deeper leagues, then obviously he, he his value improves. 
uh, but but in standard 10, 12 le- 12, 10 to 12 man leagues, he's, he's just a guy available in the late rounds, and I'd rather go with a high upside type like a Yonder Alonso, even with that move for him, or uh, maybe a Lucas Duda, somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, I would take either of those guys, and I would go for the upside. I think he can do worse with a, a late round pick, and definitely he's a, he's a waiver wire favorite of mine. Aramis Ramirez, Brewers, three years, $36 million. Nice year last year for Aramis Ramirez. Now he's getting yeah. paid. Is he going sl- to slack off now? <laughs> I don't think he's going to slack off. I, my concerns with Ramirez are pretty much the same they've been for the last few years now, that uh, he's prone to injury, and as he's gotten older, particularly the last couple of years, he's gotten off to really, really slow starts, and you were you got to the point where you were about ready to write him off and say, okay, he's, he's uh, declined too much for, for me to, to start him anymore. But then he blows up in the middle of the season and, and winds up in the same place as always. So I, I, think, uh, I think there's the potential for that to happen again, particularly if Ryan Braun is out and Prince Fielder doesn't come back. Um, and and uh, there's going to be... If that happens again, people uh, might just assume he's going to bounce back again. One of these years, it's not going to happen. So <laughs> you got to draft him with caution. So where did he rank? Do you remember off the top of your head where he ranked among third basemen last year? I I don't know exactly. I, I want to say he was top 10. I was going to say around 10th. Yeah. Okay. So he wasn't elite by any stretch. No, no, and there's no reason to expect him to be. I, I like this move for him in a really small way because even with Braun out, and again, remember, you're not losing Braun for the whole season. You're losing him for a little less than a third. Um, you know, That's a better supporting cast than he would have had in Chicago. Do, do we want to get into the Braun discussion? Because I don't think we've had a chance to. Uh, or yeah. should we? Some crazy rumors circulating today, but we well, won't address those. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean... the. Obviously, the the 50-game suspension isn't finalized. He's appealing now. From what I understand, players usually appeal, as you would expect, but we don't hear about it until after they've lost the appeal. So this report with Braun came out early, so that's why there's still some doubt whether or not he's going to serve this 50-game suspension. Um, yeah, where do you draft him if he does? We know where you well, draft him if he, if he doesn't serve the suspension, yeah. but if he is suspended, what do you do? It's probably going to be... One of the most hotly debated topics leading into the new season. I draw. I take him, him in the third round. Third it, round, I think, is a little it, too early. It's a no, little high. I don't think so. I it's don't a little high, so. but I don't think it's as crazy as it might seem for a guy that's going to miss a big chunk of the year. Um, and I actually just did a, a column. So here comes the shameless plug time uh, column <laughs> on this recently. My latest uh, projection snapshot. Um, but basically, the, the conclusion I came to is that if you factor in that, you know, you're not going to lose all of your productivity for that eight weeks or so he's right. out you, you got to find a replacement that replacement will do something and you add that production with what braun can do over the the remaining 18 weeks of the year it's going to be roughly probably about what chain victorino would give you over 26 weeks so yeah you're still talking about a top uh 12 option at out outfield the number one fantasy outfielder basically so maybe about i, I actually round. yeah i I actually moved him down further in the rankings than that, and I'm sure it's gonna he's gonna be up and down over the next few weeks. I moved him down to 28th between Andre Ethier and Nick Markakis because that's honestly where I think he's going to get drafted. But that being said, I would definitely be the guy who drafts him at that point uh, because the comparison. At what point? 
uh, at the point Ethier and Marcakis are going off the board, which is probably around around nine or ten. Um, and what he's not going to last that long. Well, maybe round eight. Well, you're, okay, so, I, I think further okay. than round six. I I don't I don't know the exact round. <laughs> I take him early in a head-to-head league where I only needed three outfielders because I feel like I could do well replacing him. You know, but if it was a roto league, I needed five. Then I'd probably struggle to find you know that sixth outfielder. Yeah, um, that'd be any good. But I don't know. I think you could gamble on him early. Cause just think about like the amount of times you've played fantasy anything, right? Yeah. And one of your best players has been hurt, and somehow you've managed to tread okay. water. You know what I mean? It but, happens. But the difference between this and a player being hurt is a player, a hurt player, you can stash in the injured reserve spot. Because he's not injured, he's just going to be consuming a spot on your bench early in the season where you you want to have flexibility so you can pick up all the early season breakout candidates. So... I think that's going to be enough to scare some people away. That being said, the comparison I've been making since this started was to Roger Clemens. Uh, those years he pitched for the Astros where you knew he wasn't going to be available the first month, but you knew he was going to come back. I was a guy who was drafting him those years in, in around the ninth or 10th round uh, because I was willing to sacrifice that bench spot, and, and I didn't regret it either year. Once he got back and, and pitched like an ace, I was I was thrilled uh, to that I that I went that route. So round six seems a little too early for me. <laughs> for for <laughs> Ron to round me. Round three definitely seems a little yeah. early. <laughs> round three way too early. Uh, but let, let's, since round 10 you seem to think is way too late, let's say round eight is my initial wow. gut reaction to where okay. he's going to go. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair because, you know, you raised the point of that you are paying an additional price, uh, not just in production loss, but you're eating up a, a reserve slot. You know, there's going to be some reservations, I think, of, of taking Braun too early. So, yeah, to me, sixth is maybe the earliest you could reasonably start entertaining it, and seventh or eighth is when I would feel comfortable pulling the trigger. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm way off. Thank you for uh, for guiding me. Back into sanity. Jimmy Rollins, back to the Phillies. Three years, $33 million. So not changing scenery <laughs> or anything like that. What? Yeah, nothing exciting yeah. about that. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I kind of want him to move just so there we have more to talk about <laughs> and get excited about. But whatever, he's still well, a Philly. Well, I mean, the, the shortstop that you love did get traded. And then yes. Jed Lowry. Yes. He and Kyle Weiland going to Houston for Mark Melanson. All right, let's look at, at Melanson first. Going to the Red Sox now. He was Houston's closer last year. He had some good moments, didn't get that many opportunities. But, Al, what do you make of the Red Sox bullpen right now? Uh, what I make of it is that uh, you just have to wait and see what moves they're going to make because their, their management is sending really mixed signals. On the one hand, saying that uh, you know they like his potential as a closer. He's shown that he can close. They think he can close in the future. But at the same time, they've also been pretty active on the on the market uh, both free agent and trade market uh, Ryan Madsen's been a name that's been out there they've been in discussions with Oakland for for Andrew Bailey so clearly they're not done um, and yet if you know we're here two months from now and Mark Melanson's still at the top of their reliever uh, depth chart I'm uh, I'm not completely shocked what about Bard though I mean yeah. he's just not a factor right now no, I, I, they want him to be a starter yeah that, oh, that they true. seem to be giving every indication of that and uh, i I'm skeptical it's it's going to work, so I could still see Bard eventually being their closer this season. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't look like that's at all what they're thinking heading into spring training. 
Well, it kind of feels like a lot to give up for a setup man. Oh yeah, you know yeah. Lowry. Not like Lowry and Wyland are all stars or anything, but they could be They're factors, uh, right? Well, I think Lowry could be an all star, as <laughs> we've talked about many an times. All star. I I think he Only could. I think he could be one of the best offensive shortstops in the game. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm a little even with this trade, even with him going to the Astros, where he figures to play every day. I'm a little less excited about him than I was going into this year. Uh, than I was. I'm less excited about him this year than I was going into last year uh, because he had that shoulder injury that really ruined him last year. Another and a long line of injuries for him. I'm, I'm not sure he's he's going to be able to shake those. And now that he's getting into his late 20s, I mean, he's getting up there for a middle infielder. I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to get better. And then his splits were so dramatic last year. 330 against left-handers, 210 against righties. I'm not sure that's going to change even with health. So uh, obviously there's more. So how's he going to make the all-star team, Scott? I, I'm just saying I, ha- I, have m- I have my doubts about Lowry now. I still think this is exciting news. I still think it's reason to target him as a late-round sleeper because he plays that weak position. And, and I still think, you know, a 20-homer season is possible. He's still playing in a hitter's park. Uh, I could see it, but he needs to stay healthy, which I think is, is not necessarily what you'd expect and he's got to learn to hit righties better than he has and he's not gonna have too much protection in that line there's yeah there's that too and wyland well i I like wyland uh he really wasn't very good in his brief stint with boston last year filling in when they were just looking for any arm to to put in the rotation so i'm glad that he's going somewhere where he really has a realistic shot of uh getting a a chance to stay in the rotation for a while Uh, i don't know that'll do much this year I like him long-term, and uh, I do think that he'll do something for NL-only owners this year. Yeah, well, don't go all J-Hap on us, okay? <laughs> the Rockies signed catcher Ramon Hernandez to a two-year deal. Do yeah. you care? I care because it's probably going to hold Willen Rosario back, uh, t- at least to start out the year. I kind of see this. The way the Reds were using Ramon Hernandez last year, he was splitting about 50-50 with Ryan Hannigan. So he's clearly on his way out. I kind of see this as what how the Nationals started with Pudge and uh, Wilson Ramos yeah. last year, where Ramos was the backup, but eventually, he, you know, getting a start here and there, he eventually took over more and more until he was the starter by season's end. I see that happening in Colorado, too. And Will and Rosario could be a good source of power playing for the Rockies. Rafael for call back to the Cardinals, two years, $14 million. You think he bounces back this year? Uh, you know, there's always the risk of injury with him, but um, I won't be as high on him this year as I was a year ago. But I, I like his rebound chances just because I don't think he can be yeah. that bad two years in a row. And he finished strong with St. Louis. He's a good rebounder. Dontrell Willis signed by the Phillies. And he will be a relief pitcher. Yeah, in fact, he'll be probably a lefty specialist, a one guy only. So while at first it was kind of exciting news uh, when it came out how they plan to use him, it really means he has no fantasy value whatsoever for next year. I would say that at one point this season they will have some crazy extra inning game and they will use him as a pinch hitter. Oh, there is a clause (laughs) in his contract if he hits a certain number of at-bats. No kidding. It kicks in. Wow. So expect to see Dontrell getting some pinch hit. Cool. Uh, Yeah, very cool. Uh, and the Brewers, I think we did Alex Gonzalez, uh, but we did not talk about Casey McGee. Casey McGee to the Pirates for Jose Veras. Yeah, and I'm not sure there's really a whole lot there. Um, 
Yeah, you want to think he'd start over Pedro Alvarez, at least Alvarez just completely blows it again. I, I think this is an indication, though, that the Brewers are committed to giving Matt Gamble a chance either at third base, which still seems kind of unlikely to me because he wasn't good there defensively, at first base if Prince Fielder leaves, or in left field uh, filling in for Ryan Braun at the beginning of the season. And if if that's the case, I mean he's still eligible at third base in fantasy. He's been uh, he's been uh, known he's been a well known minor leaguer in fantasy for several years now. Not doesn't qualify as a prospect anymore because he lost rookie eligibility, but definitely good offensive potential there if he can finally make good on it um, at age twenty six or twenty seven. He's whatever age he's at right now, something like that. And Al Melchior was uh, in. Japan this weekend, following all the news <laughs> with posting fees. Part of my ongoing travel junket, you know, talking about Arizona Fall League for a few weeks, right, and so right. now I moved on to the Far East. Yeah, he just got back this morning, <laughs> and uh, he, we have news on a few Japanese players. Uh, let's start with Su- Suyoshi Wada, left-handed pitcher. He is. He's left-handed pitcher. He's been uh, termed the Japanese Jamie Moyer, so soft tossing lefty who uh, looks to slot in as probably the Orioles number four guy in the rotation. So uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott had him on a few fantasy teams last year and got burned. I just, I don't like the sound of a Japanese Jamie Moyer, particularly going to pitch in the AL East. So if he's slotting as the Orioles number four starter right now, I think he's going to be slotting well, for long relief come mid May. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I like it better than a, than an American Jamie Moyer pitching in the AL East. <laughs> Can we at least give him that? Uh, I don't like anybody better than the American Jamie Moyer. He'd be better than Moyer. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep an eye on Suyoshi Wada. Nurichika Aoki? Aoki. Aoki. A-OK. A-OK, right. A-OK. Outfielder. What's up with him? All right. So the Brewers have won the right to bid on him. There was a posting uh, process that the Brewers won. So they now have, at this point, the clock is down to, I think, about 27 days or so, 27, 26 days uh, for them to sign him. And, uh, again, sort of some mixed signals there as well because um, the the team has said that they, they are content to stick with the Niger Morgan Carlos Gomez platoon in center field, but that's Aoki's position. So clearly part of the plan here is to hedge their bets with Ryan Braun and probably keep that Morgan Gomez platoon in place and have Aoki uh, play left field perhaps. Um, But then when Braun does come back or if Braun successfully appeals, what happens there? Um, It's just a situation that bears watching, but um, you know, not necessarily a guy who has uh, mixed league appeal, but so do you see him playing, getting regular bats? Because for the first fifty games, assuming Braun is suspended, uh, I would say yeah, uh, he looks like a regular. And after that, I think that yeah. probably depends on how he would fare in that initial trial. Uh, you know, they certainly are free to change their minds about Niger Morgan. So you know, for me, this is as much news about Morgan's value as it is about Aoki's. Yeah. I, I'm not ex- I'm not particularly excited because I feel like we've seen this before from Japanese position players, Tsuyoshi Nishioka, just last year, mm-hmm. where put up great numbers in Japan. Uh, there's some excitement as they come over, and, and then they're just complete duds. Other than Ichiro Suzuki and and Hideki Matsui, who still wasn't nearly the player he was in Japan. Uh, there hasn't been, I don't think, a, a position player success story 
in the majors. Mm. Kaz I'm, Matsui doesn't qualify, huh? No, because <laughs> yeah. as hyped as he was no, coming over, he was he was supposed to be a perennial all-star, moved Jose Reyes to second base uh, his first year over here. That's how much the Mets valued him. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't have particularly high hopes for uh, you're going to have to... Aoki. Aoki, yes. Do you have high hopes for you, Darvish, if he comes over? Yes. Yeah? Because the track record with pitchers is much, much better. And, um, but it's not... It, it's mixed. It's not great. No, it's, it's much... There's a lot more success stories there. I mean, I guess you could say Daisuke was a disappointment, but his first couple years, he was still one of the... 30, 35 better starting pitchers in the majors. And, of course, you have Hideo Nomo, Hiroki Kuroda. Um, yeah. Kazishi had his moments. I can't remember them, but. <laughs> <laughs> in his first year there. And then a lot of relievers, too. So I, I, I feel a lot better about that. You, know, you have Kenshin Kawakami, who is obviously a big disappointment. Um, Koji Uehara has been some good, some bad. Uh, can well, it's yeah, it's it's a mixed bag, and I you know oh, I think yeah. Matsuzaka is clearly the the comp that everybody is uh, has their their eyes on it with with Darvish, and uh, you know I would say he's definitely an unqualified disappointment. I mean, yeah, he he provided some value, but he didn't match the hype. I would say he fell much shorter even than uh, Hideki Matsui did. You know, comparing a pitcher to a hitter, but uh, you know, again, sort of like with Aoki, I think what's at least as intri- interesting here with Darvish is uh, the domino effect that occur could occur, and it's being widely reported that the Blue Jays uh, are the likely uh, team to get the bidding rights. And uh, Well, you know, I don't want to speculate because people are going to find out by the true. time they listen to this. In many yeah, don't cases. pay attention to the website. So, yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't make sense to even... Um, but but you know what we're not going to be back for like two weeks. Well, so, so guys, and, and, well, and the general point. I mean, we can just use the Blue Jays as an example. You're right. We don't know. And I think with Matsuzaka, there were early reports on who was going to win that were inaccurate. So yeah, we just don't know. But let's say, for example, you know, the Blue Jays uh, get to, to uh, bid on him and, and they make a successful offer. Um, you know, then that gives them some options uh, as well because it's not that they're absolutely loaded with pitching, but you know, you got Dustin McGowan potentially back in the fold next year. You got Henderson Alvarez as a you know an interesting option who looked really great in the late season, and then you've got some you know more established guys. Of course, you got Romero at the top, but then you know what do you do with Brett Cecil, um, Brandon Morrow? You know, do they move one of those guys? So I, to me, that's the the more interesting part. Actually, we will wait and see. And I think uh, you guys were forgetting about Kei Igawa and his wonderful career <laughs> in the minor I, I also forgot about Hideki Arabu. Uh, wonderful career as well, yeah. Although I think he had one really good year, didn't he, Hideki Arabu? When he he first generated came? a really good George Steinbrenner quote. That's about <laughs> all did. of the legacy I can remember. He did. I think he started out pretty well, and then everything went uh, downhill quickly. And then that's it. Luckily, our show started out really well and stayed very good. Did not Hideki no, Arabu. That's, that's kind of subjective, don't you think? I think it got stronger as the show went on. Uh, personally. We'll, we'll see how many stars it more, gets. More, J- <laughs> more Jamie Moyer than Hideki Arabu. You think so? I think okay. so, yeah. We're like fine wine. Better with age <laughs> here. And we are done for today. Have a great holiday, everybody. And we will talk to you soon for Scott White and Al Malkiewicz. I'm Adam Azer. See you.